You may be seated as we walk through Psalm 125 together. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But to those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our Old Testament reading from the book of Genesis in the 20th chapter. Oh, I forgot our prayer of the day. I apologize. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And he sojourned in Gerer. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerer, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, Know that you shall surely die, and you and all who are yours. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see that you did this thing? And Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading from Romans in the 8th chapter. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among the brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress 
or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel from Matthew's gospel in the 13th chapter. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? And they said to him, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done to gather us together into your presence, to hear your word, and to receive your gifts. We pray that you would guide us by your Spirit and remove distractions from our hearts and minds. And open them to hear your word as you be, are present with us and to give to us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we've been walking through the Ten Commandments this summer, we've made our way all the way to the Eighth Commandment. And we remember all the ones that had come before as we uh, remember that we are to have no other gods uh, before God himself, and how he loves us through that, being the one true God. And also how we are to not use his name in vain, but he gives us his name to pray to, to praise and give thanks to. And how we remember a time of rest in the Sabbath days. He gathers us into his presence to feed us spiritually, to lead us and guide us by his word and to speak forgiveness into our ears. And we remember to honor our father and mother and to remember that they take care of us through that very commandment as well as they honor their fathers and mothers. And how honoring authority then puts us in a right place as well to be taken care of and not have to deal with the consequences of going against that authority. And to not murder or harm anybody physically, yet they do the same thing to us. And that's beneficial to us. We're loved by God through others following these commandments and to remember promises made in relationships as we consider adultery especially promises made by us to God and then God fulfilling his promises to us thankfully 
so that even in that, he remains true in his promises to us. To not steal and to remember that God provides. And then today's commandment, which is an interesting one to wrestle with, especially as we remember it in short by, you shall not lie. Okay? That's certainly one way to remember the commandment, you shall not lie, but that's not how it's written in the text. How it's written in the text is, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, which certainly has a different nuance to it. It certainly has a different focus to it. Because we certainly lie from time to time. You may not have ever quite thought about it this way, but think of the last time you held a surprise party. Did you tell the honest truth to the guest of honor about what was going to be going on that evening? No, probably not. In fact, you were probably leading and guiding away and trying to figure out some words to say. So maybe you weren't necessarily lying, but you were guiding them towards a different direction. And though a surprise might incorporate a bit of lying, there's a difference there. You had the intent for them to find out in the end what was really going on. You see, though it was a lie, it was a misdirection maybe for a little while, you did want them to finally find out the surprise and the fun of the evening, and you were going to tell them all in the end anyway. See, that's very different than a deception. A deception we tend to come at with the idea that maybe I can just use the right words to lead somebody off track and they won't find out what I really am saying or who I really am or that I really don't know what I'm talking about. That's more where Abraham is at in our text. He's walking down the road of deception and as he walks down this road of deception with his words, he's also not caring for his wife at all and not casting her in the best light either or standing up for her. And he's not thinking very highly of the people of uh, Gerar, which is the Philistine area along the coast as well. All these things are rolling through Abraham's mind as his main concern is how he's going to fare. In the occurrence. We're going to pause on the story there for a second because I think it's that heart of it that we tend to have a hard time with. You see, we want to use our tongue and use our words more often than not to put ourselves in the best light. And as we speak about ourselves or even speak about things that we don't know about, we tend to want to sound like we do know about them. And I don't think that's any different now than it ever has been. Except we have a myriad of opportunities to sound like we know what we're talking about nowadays. I mean, go back in history just a little bit. Go back to Jesus' day and even Abraham's day. If you were going to speak words to someone, they had to be in audible range. You really didn't have much of an opportunity to speak words to people who were far away unless you employed enough messengers or you had an opportunity to buy a parchment scroll or something else to send along the way. But for the most part, communication happened face-to-face -face or in a chain of face-to-face -face as gossip rolled around a community. But more often than not, the heart was still the same. 
I'm going to say words into something that I may not exactly know about, but I want it to look like I know about it, and it might be disparaging to someone else. That can happen pretty easily nowadays. Roll all through history, and all that ever happened was that that communication got even easier. It became an easier temptation for us to sound like experts in things that we have no idea about. But the human race has never been one who's been really apt to say, I don't know. That's a place where we don't find comfort because we don't get to be held in the highest light as one who knows everything about what's going on or sound very bright or intelligent. It's hard for us to say, I don't know. And so we speak about things that we shouldn't. We bring things to light oftentimes that we don't need to. And this gets more detrimental when it starts to hit in the area of relationships and friends, whether it's in family, work, or even the church. As people's lives are lived, and instead of saying, I don't know, that's their story to tell, or I don't know, you should go ask them, We start to ponder what all the motives might be. We start to ponder where their heads might be at. We start to think about all the different ways that might be a motivation for some other person to be doing what they're doing while never actually talking to that person. And that's where we can get into trouble. That's where we're not speaking a true witness about our neighbor, but maybe speaking falsely about our neighbor. And see, the heart of this commandment is a commandment about our tongue. How our tongues are going to be used to speak words that either build up and encourage or be used to break down and discourage, to wreck a reputation even. And how many times have we spoken words as they start to flow right out of our mouths and we feel them beginning in our throats and making their way across our tongues and out into the open air and we hear them with our ears and say, wait a minute, I want those back. I don't want those words to land on someone's ears and we pray that maybe a train drives by or a honk. horn honks or something goes on to where maybe they just won't hear what we said. Maybe they weren't paying attention enough and I can draw this one back. Unfortunately, more often than not, that's probably not the case. Our words land, they are heard, and oftentimes they hurt. We think we're going to get away with this. And as we get back to Abraham and Sarah, we see how he thought through this in just a way to where he was going to look the best in this situation as he thought poorly about the king of the, the Philistines, the king in Gerar, as he thought, well, God isn't listened to in this place, so it's going to be okay if I don't point to God in this place. So I'm just going to play by their rules a little bit, and I'm going to believe that they don't know what's going on really. And my wife, I'm just going to tell a half-truth. Say that she's my sister, which isn't a lie since she's his half-sister. And there's questions there, but nonetheless, that's the situation. 
So Abraham sends her off, not really caring for her at all, lying a bit about who she is, trying to deceive this king so that he, Abraham, wouldn't be harmed. And there's quite a few times, I'm sure, that you and I both have used our words and ways throughout life so that we wouldn't be harmed. We may say it with the best intent. We may say it saying, you know what, one day I'll let him know the real truth, but really we're just trying to make our way through a situation in hopes that we won't be found out and we won't have to explain ourselves. More often than not, though, we get caught somewhere in the middle of that. Trying to make our way through a loophole somewhere, we get caught. In this particular instance, we see that the lie is brought to light. Abraham's deception, as well as he thought it was going, didn't go so well, especially when God stepped in, as he often does. God came straight to the king, though, and he said, What are you doing, king? You can't take this woman to be yours. She's the wife of another. She's not free to be part of your harem, part of your palace, part of your things that are going on, and you need to give her back because her husband is a prophet, and you need to give her back so that he would pray for you. Look at what God did there for just a second. He showed Abraham exactly what it meant to follow the Eighth Commandment and put the best light and construction on something. God knew Abraham's heart that he was deceiving the king by Sarah, but the, God spoke to the king and said, Look, this man's a prophet. You need to give him back his wife so that he could pray for you. He didn't say, Abraham deceived you and specifically tried to lie to you and give the whole story that was Abraham's story to tell. No, God just said, you need to give this woman back so that my prophet would pray for you. What a beautiful way in which God shows us exactly what it means to use words rightfully, exactly what it means to bear true witness about our neighbor. And to let the harmful truth at times be spoken individually, be spoken in a different sense. Because see, that's the part, is a lot of times we want to say things about our neighbor to someone else instead of saying them to our neighbor. We are called to speak truth, but some truths don't need to be told all online and in the chat room and in the social media post and then on the phone to another friend or even in our circles of friends. Sometimes we just need to say, you know what? I don't know. You should go talk to them about that. And we should lift up our neighbors for the things that they're doing that are good and right and true to try to put the best construction on things. Because just as God did for Abraham... So did Jesus do for us. And we see how often in Scripture we are called out as enemies of God in our sin. Yet in that very moment, God sees us in the midst of our sin and Jesus stands before the Father as our mediator and says, yes, they are sinful, but remember I died for them. Remember that they carry my righteousness. Remember that they are forgiven, Father, on my account, and that we love them, that they are loved and forgiven and brought into the family. 
And then we've given them of our Holy Spirit, Father, so that they would know of our love for them. So that in their sin, they would continually be pointed back to Jesus himself. Because those are the words that God gives us to use. Those are the words that God works through you for the benefit of others. As he calls us out to bridle our tongue, yet loves each one of us by speaking his words through his people into the ears of those that need to hear it. And so when we have those opportunities to feel better about ourselves by using words that may break another down, stopping for just a moment to think through what it would be like to hear words from another that would be lifting ourselves up. Those are the words that God gives us to work through us to lift others up. Those are beautiful words to hear. Have you ever been in that moment where everything seems to be falling down? It doesn't seem like you can do quite anything right and nothing seems to be going the way that you thought it was going and you thought you had everything under control. And as everything falls apart, someone comes to you and doesn't say, I told you so, or doesn't say, man, you're terrible at this. They walk into it and they say, I can see that you're working really hard. I can see that you're trying your best. I know who you are because I know your heart. I know that you have good intent in what you're doing. And I want you to know that I love you. That I truly want the best for you. And how can I help you right now? Those kind of words can change not only someone's moment or day, but life. They can look back on those words and see how it makes such a tremendous difference. And the only way we get to speak those words is because we know that Christ has spoken those words about us. We have no way to make it to our Lord on our own. We can try and make ourselves look as good as possible by whatever words we want to do, but God knows our hearts. And as good as our intent may be, we are not perfect by any means. And so Jesus takes our slanderous words and our terrible words and all those things upon himself, the very word of God made flesh, to bear our evil and broken words, to hand over to us words of peace and forgiveness. Words that he alone can give, words that he alone speaks through us for the benefit of others, and words that we alone get to hear when someone else speaks them. Through this Eighth Commandment, we see, can see God's love for us. As he encourages his people to continue to speak words of love and forgiveness into our ears so we would know of his love for us in Jesus. And in his name, we give thanks and praise. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for our good, for our benefit. Knowing exactly who we are, you have not lifted that up in front of our face, yet you have lifted up Christ in front of us to be our salvation, and to be our Savior, and to be the one that has made us right before you. We thank you, Lord, for not holding our hurtful words against us, but for giving those words and sending us out with words of love and peace for all to hear to know of your grace and mercy for us. In Jesus' name, amen. And I invite you to rise.